0: Hey everyone, welcome to Indie Film Grit, a podcast about indie films and indie filmmakers. I am your host, Timothy Patrick, but you, you can call me Tim. In this episode, I'm joined by Alex Ferrari. His recent films include This Is Meg and On the Corner of Ego and Desire. He is also the creator and host of the Indie Film Hustle podcast and the Bulletproof Screenplay podcast. Recently, he launched Indie Film Hustle TV, the Netflix for filmmakers. And on top of that, he wrote a book, Shooting for the Mob. Let's get into it. And here we are with Alex Ferrari. Alex, how are you, man? Thanks for being on the podcast.
1: Thank you for having me, man. I'm, it's a pleasure to
0: be here. Man, it is my pleasure to have you here. Um, I've listened to your podcast. Uh, you're a man of many talents. Um, <laughs> there's there's so many things we could talk about today with you. Um, and I'm pretty sure most of my, my audience already knows who you are and what you do. But uh, just in case, could you give us a brief little background on you?
1: Yeah, um, my name is Alex Farr, and I've, uh, I've been in the film business for uh, closing in on about 25 years. I've been uh, – I started off as an editor and a post-production professional doing color grading, uh, post-production supervision, VFX supervision. And then I worked my way into being a commercial director, music video director, and now doing features as well. I've done TV shows and streaming series as a director. Uh, I'm also a writer. Uh, I have a book coming out, which we'll talk about later. But I also've written screenplays and projects as well, and uh, and then about three and a half years ago, I launched a website called Indie Film Hustle, mm-hmm. and Indie Film Hustle is a uh, a resource for filmmakers. I, I wanted to create a resource of information about how it's really what it's really like to be in the business. No sugarcoating. No rainbows and unicorns, like straight talk. Like, look, this is what it is. And if you don't like it tough, <laughs> this is just the way it is from someone who's been in, you know, in the trenches for, uh, coming up, co- coming close to quarter of a century at this point. And, uh, I just wanted to create value for, for my audience. And I launched a podcast, uh, shortly thereafter, I launched the, the pod, the website and uh, that podcast became the number one filmmaking podcast on iTunes. And uh, I also have another podcast called the Bulletproof Screenplay Podcast, that uh, is uh, specific to screenwriters and helping screenwriters uh, get into the business and the realities of that. While I interview uh, big writers and con- you know consultants and authors and gurus as, as well, mm-hmm. and uh, and then I also have Indie Film Hustle TV, which is the world's first streaming service uh, dedicated to filmmakers, screenwriters, and content creators. So it's kind of like Netflix meets Masterclass mm. uh, for filmmakers. And, uh, and I got a bunch of other stuff, but that, that's a short list.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I guess my first question would be, um,
1: when do you sleep? I sleep every night, six and a half hours. So uh, it's very, very, very specific, about between five and a half to six and a half hours I sleep every night. And, uh, I work, I wake up every morning at around four to four 30 to, uh, to go work out and, uh, then come home, take care of the kids, get them off to school then I start my work uh, doing indie film hustle stuff. You know, I got I got plenty to do on a daily basis.
0: Yeah.
1: And uh, and then I I clock out around five or six, and I spend time with my family, watch TV at night like a normal person, and start all over again the next day. But I think the key is I love what I do. I truly am blessed uh, to do what I'm doing now and and helping people, uh, you know, you know, get through this business and help them and hopefully inspire them to get up off their ass to uh, To go do something, but that's when I sleep. Sir, I do sleep. <laughs> so. I do sleep every night. A lot of people think that I like. I'm a crazy man. I work eighteen, twenty hour days. I don't. Well, I'm too old. For, I'm too old for that. <laughs> yeah. Well,
0: it's amazing that not only are you getting all this done, but you have a family life. I mean, there's single guys out there, myself included, that aren't doing a fraction of what you're able to pull off. So, I say, great job, man. Keep it up. <laughs> it is I, I impressive.
1: I appreciate I have twin I have twin girls and uh uh they're they're young. They're still in elementary school, but they are uh, they are a handful. So people are always like, you have twins too? I'm like, Yep, I've got twins. <laughs> too. And a wife and uh, you know, a family that I take care of and on the weekends we go do things. So mm-hmm. uh but it's all about time management. It's all about trying to be as productive as humanly possible and organizing uh your time into blocks and, and there's just a lot of techniques I've I've been studying recently the, uh, the world of productivity and how to get actually even more done in the time that I have. Mm-hmm. Cause, uh, I, f- I feel that I'm sloppy. I feel like I'm not doing enough, oh, wow. uh, but that's just me, but that's how I work.
0: <laughs> so I, I think I, I first, uh, noticed you, uh, right around the time of, uh, this is Meg, maybe a little before that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, and you crowdfunded that and, mm-hmm. uh, you you got it on Hulu and it was a yes. success, right? That was your first. Uh, well, you kept talking about making a feature film, and that was the one you went for, right?
1: Yeah, I, it was the yeah it was my first film that I directed called This is uh, This is Meg. It was a little comedy dramedy kind of thing. I tried to go for a, like a mumblecore vibe mm-hmm. uh, for the film, but I, I I the story behind that was I'd been attached to another project again. And it fell apart again. And I was like, dude, I'm 40. I can't do this anymore. Right. I can't. I'm, I'm not 22. This, is, this game has to end. And I said, well, I've been looking at this monster that is a feature film that I've created in my mind. I said, you know what? I just got to pull the trigger. I just got to do it. And in all honesty, the audience, uh, my tribe, the Indie Film Hustle tribe, they're the ones that kind of gave me the confidence to just go for it. Because I always said to myself, like, you know what? If I fail, I still got indie film Hustle to go back to, you Mm -hmm. know, it's like, uh, and I just like, I'm going to go take a chance. And then, you know what? I'm going to show them how I do it. And I'm going to, I'm going to involve them in the process. And I'm going to, you know, you know, warts and all, I'll show them what happens. And that's exactly what we did. You know, 30 days after I had the idea to go make a movie, we were shooting a movie with an amazing cast, uh, you know, friends of mine and, and, uh, and we, we wrote a, a scriptment, which is a, you know, basically a very loose outline of each scene. And then we had the actor's improv. That was a great way to just kind of go for it. Mm-hmm. And I DP'd it myself. I had never DP'd a movie. I was like, you know what? I'm going to DP this too. Why not? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I, I just kind of went for it and we shot it in like eight days. We crowdfunded it. Uh, and it was a great experience. I, I, I it's when you, when you do a film like that, it's. You're out there without a net, yeah. you know you're uh, you're completely out there, you're exposed you have, and me more so because I had an audience like waiting to see it, and you know I'm talking about it, so it wasn't like a quiet little film. it was people that knew it was coming out and are aware of the film. but I just decided not to give a crap anymore, and hmm. that is the biggest piece of advice I could give any filmmaker, any artist is like to be free of the good opinion of others because that was what stifles us as filmmakers and as creative sometimes is we're afraid of what other people are going to think, or is this thing going to do what it's supposed to do for me? And, and you put all this added pressure on in your art or on your movie. And I did that multiple times in my life where I'm like, this is the movie that's going to blow me up. This is the one that's going to be the agent. Mm-hmm. This is my mariachi. This is my, you know, my reservoir dogs. Like that, that was the mentality. And, uh, that mentality held me back for almost 20 years of my career. And when I finally broke free of that, it was extremely freeing and I was able to create uh, a great little film. It's not the greatest thing in the world. It's not the worst thing in the world. It's just a fun little film. Uh, But I was able to do it and I was able to get out there. I'm like, okay, I've now done a feature film. Now I can say that I am a feature film director. And not only did I create one, I actually sold one. It got on Hulu, um, all that kind of stuff. So it it was a success and it's still selling and it's still around the world. We're selling it in territories around the around the world still. It's it's fairly amazing, honestly. This little film that we shot in eight days, it did all is doing everything that it's doing. It's pretty yeah. crazy.
0: Now, did you and you don't have to answer this if you don't want to, but uh sure. has has that made the money back and then some?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Nice. Well I was in the black I was in the black uh while I was shooting it. Because I crowdfunded the film. Right, right. So I really had nothing to lose. You know, uh, we sp- we barely spent any money on this stuff afterwards, like a DCP and, you know, festival submissions and stuff like that. But the movie was done very, very inexpensively. And, and the budget set, and, and the money that we were able to raise through crowdfunding – did everything we needed it to do for us. You know, again, I, I wasn't going for a hundred thousand dollar movie. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what, you know, we're just going to do five ten $10,000 flick. Let's just come on, let's just go out and do it. And, uh, I wanted to bring, I wanted to go through the process of crowdfunding a film so I can show my audience that this is what I wanted. I needed to talk from a place of doing not just of, of watching other people do. So, you know, I, I needed to do that process and and it worked. It, it was it's I will I probably will never do it again. I hated it. <laughs> it's a brutal experience doing a crowdfunding campaign. It is yeah. nerve-wracking. It is exhausting. Um but if you've got the energy and you've got no other choice to fund your movie, my god, it's a great ex- it's a great way to raise money. To do something for your art, but mm-hmm. man, I, it, it, it for me, I hated it. I hated every moment of that damn experience. Yeah, it's brutal. It's, it is pretty. But brutal. But you pulled but, it off, and yeah, we did it.
0: Did how did that lead to the film you shot at Sundance? Because you, I don't think you crowdfunded for that. Did you? No. Did you uh, make contacts through This Is Meg, and uh, you know, investors started
1: to happen. Oh God! If from your mouth to God's ear, sir. But no, um, no. I paid for that movie out of pocket, mm. and uh, it just—it was—it was—it was smaller than this. Is Meg believe it or not? It actually—it it actually cost less than that. No, n- the only thing that this is Meg opened up for me as far as the second movie was that now I had a, a feature film. So anybody that I wanted to get involved with the movie, um, I could just say, "Look, I did this other movie yeah. uh, a year and a half ago." you know you're in good hands even though i have a career and even though i have uh, you know a lot of credits on imdb and and i've directed a bunch of stuff people always like to know that you did a feature you know mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff so that's the only thing that kind of helped me with the actors getting the actors involved and and things but you know indie film hustle also helped a lot with that you know being being indie film hustle and doing everything i do with indie film hustle adds a lot of credibility to me as a filmmaker when i'm trying to approach people to work for, uh, less than their rate. Let's sure. say. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we just, uh, we went out to Sundance. It was a, a really spur of the moment idea. I was sitting there with, uh, my partner in the movie, Adam, uh, Adam Bowman, who has this amazing condo on the main street. And we've stayed there a few times. And if anyone's ever seen my, my interview show at Sundance, it's, that's where we shoot it. Hmm. And we were thinking about last year, we're like, Hey, so what are we going to do this year? You know, to take everything up a notch. And I just turned to him, I said, I think it'd be irresponsible of us not to shoot a feature film this year. <laughs> and he's like, continue. And I, I, at that literally off the top of my head, I pitched the idea. I'm like, wouldn't it be amazing to create a, this is spinal tap for independent filmmakers and create a love letter to park city and to Sundance, which is, you know, Sundance is the lover that teases you constantly, but never lets you in the sack.
0: <laughs> and
1: um, but I still, I still love the experience of park city. I still love going to Sundance. And uh, we, we threw it together quickly. I, gr- I, I wrote up a scriptment. I got a great friend of mine who's a DP, got a sound guy, got another friend to help with, uh, you know, anything else we might need. And I cast three actors, the other actors I found while I was there. And, uh, wow. and that was it. And, 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 and it was so much scarier than Meg because when you go out to, like, first of all, you have no reshoots. Like you've got the time that you have and that's it. Right. Like you, like if I don't get the shot, I can't come back till next year. And <laughs>
0: I'm guessing that uh, this was straight gorilla. Like you. Oh, absolutely. No permits, no nothing. So you got to per- kind of be, you know. Permits
1: is a dirty sir. No, right. I'm joking. Um, <laughs> but you could look. I literally shot in the headquarters of Sundance.
0: Mm. <laughs> I wow. I literally
1: went. I went into the belly of the beast and shot two scenes in the belly of the beast. Oh, and uh, you know, I was. Fearless in this movie, I did. Like I, I had been to Sundance probably six, seven times in my life, so I know the layout of Park City so well that when I was writing it, I'm like, okay, we're going to do this scene here, we're going to do that scene there, we're going to do this scene here, and we just run, ran around. And the great thing about Park City is that you can walk across the street and have a completely new location, and you can walk up the hill for like a minute or two, and there's a whole other. You ra- walk around the corner, there's another thing, so you have an immense amount of production value. Hmm. Not to mention the 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 mountains and the snow and the the hordes of extras that have no idea that are in my movie right. walking around the streets the amounts of production value is massive and uh, so we shot it uh, you know on a black magic pocket camera 1080p right. and uh, just kind of wanted to be really you know uh, you know uh, incognito so people wouldn't really know what we were doing and no one really believed us anyway when we told them what we were doing everyone anyone asked anything i'm like i'm shooting some stuff for youtube because nobody in their right mind would shoot a, a complete narrative feature <laughs> film at sunday <laughs> of the festival right so it was a wonderful wonderful experience but that movie was the scariest thing i've ever done but it was the most exhilarating thing i've ever done because i literally didn't know what we had in the can like I when I got home I'm like I have a hard drive full of footage. I I hope there's something here. Mm-hmm. I really had no idea. I'm like am I going to be able to make a, f- a feature film out of this? And uh that's a scary place to be, but we shot the whole damn thing in 36 hours. Yeah. I wow. mean, literally it was a 36-hour run over the course of 4 days. Mind you, by the way, I was doing interviews in between. So like I was on the s- the movie was almost a side hustle. Right. <laughs> Which was insane, but it was exhausting. It was insane. But everybody who was involved with it loved the experience. It's something that we will carry with us for the rest of our lives. And and I'm hoping the film comes out. Uh, I'm about to sign a deal with a distributor to do a theatrical release on it, uh, at least here in Los Angeles, and maybe a few other territories in in the country. And uh, it w- hopefully, it'll be coming out in May. And the movie's called "On the Corner of Ego and Desire." Nice. And it's the, and the quick pitch for it is three filmmakers uh, talk to a producer at the uptown, downtown, up, uptown, downtown film festival, made up film festival. I made up, uh, and a producer said, Hey, if you're ever at Sundance, uh, look me up. And of course to them in the delusional mind of an independent filmmaker, oh, I've been invited to Sundance. Hmm. So they, uh, they, they, they go and make this ridiculous movie. And the pitch for the movie is, and i I'm still very proud of this. It's Shape of Water meets E.T. with Transformers drizzled on top. <laughs> Whoa. Shot on black and white, mostly slow-mo because we're going for a true vibe, but we really want to be in the Criterion Collection. <laughs> this is how pompous this this film is. Right. No one ever sees the movie in, the, in, 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 in Ego and Desire, but we hear the trailer. And the, it's just – it's brilliant. I love it. I right. love it, love it, love it. And then they just run around in Sundance for 24 hours because that's all they can afford. They don't have, they they lost their Airbnb so they're just running around trying to figure something out, hunting this poor producer down the entire day. Of course, they make a stop at the Indie Film Hustle podcast.
0: Mm. Uh,
1: I do make a cameo, unfortunately. Wow, that's like product
0: Uh, placement right there.
1: It's it's extreme product placement but I was (laughs) very cautious about it. Anytime you see me, I try to cut myself out as much as humanly possible (laughs) uh, and I try not to make it too heavy on the, in the film hustle. But I was like, what am I going to do? Make up a podcast and hire an actor. That's just stupid. So, uh, but yeah, that's whole journey. And and what happens to, to filmmakers when they're so close to their dream and it gets yanked away from them. And also the delusions of grandeur and, you know, filmmakers being so far up their own butts and a lot of the stuff that, that these characters go through, I've gone through Mm -hmm. many of, you know, uh, I, I went through them and I was, I was, extremely pompous. My ego was out of control earlier in my life, uh, earlier in my career. I had a little bit of success with a short film um, in 2005 that blew my ego up a lot that you know I had to deal with. There's there's a lot of me in this film, and it is the biggest expression of who I am as a filmmaker and as an artist of, of anything I've probably ever done. So I'm really, really proud of it, and I cannot wait for filmmakers to see it.
0: Yeah. Now Now, what happens when you submit it to Sundance?
1: Uh, they rejected me.
0: Oh, okay, did they watch I it? I mean, up,
1: like straight up rejected. me.
0: Did you get a call from their lawyer or?
1: <laughs> no, I, I wish they would because that would be amazing press for me. Yeah, that would. But um, but no. So the the deal with uh, the festivals is I it got it actually premiered, it world premiered at the Raindance Film Festival in the UK. Hmm. But I've submitted it to I submitted it to all the big boys here in the US and it did not get in. To any of them, huh. and I, I really didn't realize. And again, this just might be my ego. To think talking, but if it gets into a festival like Raindance, which Raindance is not an easy festival to get. I think they rejected. They told me sixty or seventy movies per movie that got accepted. So it is pretty fierce competition to get into that festival. Yeah. And I'm like, why wouldn't a film about filmmakers, you know, at a film festival? Not be programmed at film festivals. Like it didn't make any sense to me, mm. but then I realized I was like, you know what? I think a lot of festivals don't want to promote Sundance because the whole movie is about Sundance. Right. Even Slam Dance did not accept the movie, and Slam uh. Dance is in the movie because I shot some scenes up at Slam Dance.
0: Yeah, maybe S- if you uh, and I haven't seen the movie, but uh, it sounds like uh, you know you're going with the Sundance is a magical place kind of thing. Maybe if you took more jabs at At Sundance,
1: uh, yeah, they would have taken it, but (laughs) maybe, maybe, but I, I, you know, it wasn't what it. No, because I, the Sundance is a character, Park City is a character in the movie, right? And and for filmmakers, it's kind of like Mecca, especially independent Mecca for independent filmmakers. So to, you know, I do, I'm pretty raw about what the experience is like at Sundance. I did not hold back on the actual Park City experience nowadays you know, getting into parties and things like that. Mm. Uh, But, and like, you know, walking up the hill when you're not used to it and, and dying of, you know, (laughs) high altitude and all sorts of other things that people don't talk about generally, but overall it's pretty much a love letter to Park City. It's a love letter to Sundance. It's a love letter to filmmakers in general, Mm. independent filmmakers. And, and, but other festivals, I guess, didn't see that. So at that point I was like, you know what, F it, who cares? I mean, I got into one huge festival in Europe but it's yet to it's yet to premiere in North America mm-hmm. which I always found fascinating but you know it's just the way it is but uh, I'm really proud of the movie regardless yeah I mean I don't think anybody's done that right you're the first but... I'm the first person to ever to my knowledge shoot a narrative feature film there's been documentary shot sure. there there's been television series shot there but no one I think to my knowledge has shot an actual narrative feature film while the festival's going on yeah that's insane yeah it's pretty nuts like (laughs) you gotta be kind of crazy to do what i did like it's that's why when i literally because on the street i would meet because it's such a it's so you're so packed with uh with humanity on on park city on main street that i run into people i know um from the business and they're like hey what are you doing i'm like i'm shooting a movie i'm like you're what (laughs) like they could not understand what i was doing it's such a Insane experience, you know. People just didn't know what to do. Oh, didn't yeah. even understand. Like, what do you? What do you mean? And then, like, you know, uh, three or four weeks after Sundance, I have a trailer. Yeah, <laughs> i'm done. And people are like, "Oh shit, you were serious." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like
0: yes, I was. Yes, I. Was. And when you saw the footage, did you happen to like? Were you surprised? Did you see like Morgan Freeman in the background or, or something? You no, know,
1: I did not get any celebrities yeah. in the background. That would be awesome if I did. But <laughs> yeah. I did not- the background i i was also cautious of that too yeah. if i did i wouldn't i wouldn't put them in there you know just mm-hmm. i'm crazy but i'm not that crazy i'm still a little little sane but not okay. too much <laughs> <laughs> well
0: let's touch on your podcasts because yeah, but- um uh like i say i've been listening to indie film hustle for a while um you could say indie film grit was kind of derived from indie film hustle like what do you need <laughs> with hustle you need grit right Absolutely. Well, thank you. That's, that's humbling. I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, you're doing a great job and you you keep surprising me. And then you came out with uh, the Bulletproof Screenplay uh, podcast. (laughs) Um, How many more are coming down the road? We going to get, um, Um,
1: there's actually, I'm actually, believe it or not, there's a bunch more, um, (laughs) (laughs) No, seriously though, um, you know, I wanted to, I wanted uh, screenwriting is such a specific thing mm-hmm. and I was, I was having a lot of screenwriting guests on Indie Film Hustle. I was like, you know what? A lot of screenwriters would love this content, but they just don't want to listen to distribution right. and podcasts yeah. and how to finance your film and cinematography, you know, and, and they just don't want to listen to that. So I'm like, you know what? They're big enough of a, of a sub niche. A uh, niche within the filmmaking community that they deserve catering to, and I wanted to help screenwriters as well, and just focus all of the um, the guests that I have and and the information that I have for screenwriters for one podcast. So that's why that's why Bulletproof Screen was 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 born. And then instead of building out a whole other website, because BulletproofScreenplay.com goes to. Uh, a page on Indie Film Hustle, and I was going to originally build out Bulletproof Screenplay as a new website. But I was like, oh my God, it's too much work. I'm not just going to focus all the energy to come into into Indie Film Hustle and just keep it all underneath the one umbrella." Mm-hmm. And it's worked out very well. It just keeps everything together, and uh, and that's what's uh, that's hopefully uh, been good for the listeners. The podcast blew up really quickly. Now, mind you, I had Indie Film Hustle to kind of leverage,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, so a lot of fans of indie film also went straight over and they're like, Oh, I'll, I'll, of course I want to sign up. And they signed up. Uh, but I've also, gr- it's grown organically from other people who aren't filmmakers who are just writers who have found it. And they're like, Oh my God, this is really great stuff. So if I can help more people in the business in whichever way I can, even, I'm not a professional screenwriter. I've written screenplays. I've, you know, I've been directing, but it's not what I do on a daily basis. I'm a writer in general. And uh, I wanted to create a resource for them in addition to the work that I do at Indie Film Hustle. So uh, and then there are other podcasts I'm I'm planning on creating. um, And I haven't told this to anybody yet. So now if I tell you, I have to do it. But uh, (laughs) this year sometime, I don't know when this year sometime, I'm actually going to create an archive series. So I'll literally break up all of the episodes from Indie Film Hustle into sections. So there'll be a cinematography one, there'll be a film and distribution and, and marketing one, there would be a, a film production and a directing one. So mm-hmm. people who are interested in those topics could actually go to those, um, areas and not have to, you know, go through all of the other content. So if you're interested in cinematography, you can go and listen to all the cinematographers I've uh, talked about or talked about camera work or things like that. And mm-hmm. if you want to know about film distribution and marketing, there'll be an entire podcast dedicated to that. So that'll be like the archives of all the stuff because now we're getting, we're getting close to almost 300 episodes wow. of Indie film hustle. So there is a wealth of stuff that's lost people. Mm. Just it's so much content <laughs> that, you know, for people to hunt it and, and peck it and try to find it um, is, is rough. So I want to kind of make it a little easier for people to, to find that content in, in the podcasting world.
0: Yeah. I mean, eventually you're going to have to create an iTunes for filmmakers like you did with <laughs> no, no. Indie Film Hustle TV, right?
1: <laughs> yes, the, uh, the Indie Film Hustle network is uh, a podcasting network. Yeah. Yes. I will do what, I'll do what I can. Uh, world domination, obviously, is, is, is the main goal here. But Yeah, just... <laughs> I love it. I love it. Hey, I, I just want, again, at the end of the day, I want to create good content that's going to help. Filmmakers on their on their journey because it's such a brutal it's just a, such a brutal path mm-hmm. to walk as an artist as a filmmaker as a screenwriter that if whatever I do uh, on my day to day work uh, helps them in any way it's a day well spent and it, it is a passion of mine to help filmmakers artists screenwriters you know to get through these tough times because i had I had no one. I didn't have any of that stuff when I was going through it. and I had to go through it kind of like cold turkey and just you know bare knuckling it almost mm-hmm. uh, throughout my career. So I wish there was something like what you're doing and what I was doing, I'm doing early on in my life. I would have killed for this kind of information. but uh, it, it's not it's here now, and I, I hope I can help as many people as I can. but that's that's why i I try to grow and grow the brand and grow what I'm doing as much as humanly possible, because I want to get this information out to as many filmmakers and, and artists and screenwriters as humanly possible.
0: Yeah. And then that, that kind of goes into your indie film hustle TV, uh, which you, you coined Netflix for filmmakers. Could you yeah. uh,
1: tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Um, I, uh, I decided earlier last year uh, or late last year to, to create a actual streaming service that's dedicated to filmmakers, I wanted to create a space uh, where filmmakers can go and get their fix. Like, wouldn't it be amazing to have a place where you can watch behind-the-scenes documentaries, um, feature films about the filmmaking, you know, about filmmaking or about acting or about Uh, you know, artistic endeavors like music and and, and painting and other things like that, as well as, you know, amazing making of, not making of documentaries, but like documentaries about the business, TV series is about the business, interviews with the top, uh, you know, professionals in the business, screenwriters and directors, you know, Spielberg and Scorsese and, you know, and these amazing uh, screenwriters and things like that, as well as, access to workshops that normally would cost hundreds of dollars as part of the plan and and courses. So you can actually take courses at, from everything to you know how to submit to film festivals to how to edit on DaVinci Resolve and and uh, how to do a documentary or other other things like that. And have it all in one place where people could just, you know, sign on to their Apple TV account and you know download the app on Apple TV or on Roku, on Amazon or on their phones and have access to all of this. So really create, not just like a membership site, but create an actual streaming service, which is a, there's a difference between the two to be able to have access anywhere and in all these different platforms. And I said, you know what, no one's done this before either. So I guess I'll be the first one to through the wall. And as they say, the first one through the wall is usually the bloodiest (laughs) and, uh, but it's doing very well. It's been very well received. It grows more and more every day. And, uh, and we're putting out new content weekly now. Since uh, 2019 started, we're not doing monthly anymore. We're actually doing it on a weekly standpoint. So every Friday, there's a batch of new films, new courses, new interviews that get dumped into uh, into the streaming service. So wow. there's always something fresh for uh, for members to get access to and exclusive content, exclusive shows. You know, we're going to be doing originals. Uh, we've already done some more originals, but we're going to create more original content uh, and TV shows and interview series and things like that. And, uh, as, as time goes on, it'll continue to grow and grow and grow till hopefully the library's, uh, you know, huge enough that, uh, other filmmakers will uh, want to, to sign up. And it's just a lot of information there. We got probably about four or 500 hours right now of content and it, it grows probably at least 30 to 40 hours a month, if not more. Wow. So it's a, it's a lot of stuff, man. Yeah. A lot of stuff. But I wanted again to create something of value for for my community and build it up.
0: Yeah. And and speaking of value for your community, you're you're giving away 30 grand to filmmakers. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> value, right? <laughs> Let's talk about that cuz that's that's pretty awesome.
1: Yeah, so we I partnered with a, a an amazing company called Filmmaker. And filmmakers run um, by an amazing man by the name of Deepak Nay- Nayir, if I'm not mistaken, his last name. Forgive me, Deepak. And uh, they they do month they do um, competitions every year for um, for to give filmmakers access. They they were tired of the way the Hollywood system was working. They're kind of outsiders. Uh, but Deepak, you know, worked on Slumdog Millionaire, Life of Pi. Mm. He produced Sense Eight uh, that the washarsky brothers show on Netflix among a million other things that he's done over the course of the years. And, uh, he wanted to create, uh, access for filmmakers. And he told me straight up when I met with him, he's like, look, you know, as much as I want to help other filmmakers, I'm looking for talent. I'm looking for talent for my production company. I'm looking for projects for my production company. And this is a great way for me to do it. And so I decided to partner with him on a, uh, one of the contests, which is a web series competition, meaning that you can submit a three to five minute pilot on paper to uh to the to the competition it, it's up it's running only three weeks so it's going to be over February 4th and during that time if you submit it it's like 15 bucks I think to submit out of those uh submissions four will be picked for um uh, actual five thousand dollar prize which will give you they'll give them five thousand dollars to go make the pilot mm-hmm. and then out of that one will be picked to actually get $25,000 more to finish off the series and uh, a season of that, of that series. And last year's winner got, uh, just got a deal with HBO. So these guys are big producers. They're not like little rinky dink guys. These are really big guys who really do, uh, do what they say they're going to do, which is a rarity (laughs) in this business. So I decided I was like, when they approached me about it, I was like, absolutely. Uh, why wouldn't i want to give this opportunity to my tribe and to and to filmmakers around the world and it is an international uh competition they don't care where you come from it does not matter now, so are they
0: are they looking for specific genres
1: or yes well the, the it's based on a theme and the theme is the hustle oh. <laughs> so you have to create anything you want to create within the term the hustle hmm. so as long as it's within that uh, those parameters you can have fun with it without, without question. And, and they, um, I'm really curious to see what comes in. I'm really, really curious to see what comes in. A lot of people have been very excited about it and it's a great competition. And, uh, I'm just glad to bring it to, to my, to my followers, to my tribe and, and to anyone who's listening.
0: Yeah. It sounds great. sounds great. Now, uh, your latest endeavor, which took (laughs) me by surprise, um, (laughs) I tend to do that for you. I I
1: tend to do that to you. You do. You do.
0: There's always something around the corner with you. But uh, yeah, you wrote a book, uh, Shooting for the Mob. Um, Yes.
1: Now, is that out yet or? No, uh, Shooting for the Mob will be out February 22nd. Uh, You'll be able to get it on Amazon. And if you want information about the book, you can go to uh, shootingforthemob.com. Currently, I have a launch team. So you can sign up to actually get a free copy of the book. And uh, and then be part of the launch team, which will help me launch the book on February 22nd. And you'll you'll be able to have access to me and you'll be able to uh, see how I actually plan a marketing campaign and see from behind the scenes, behind the curtain on how we are able to get this out there, get reviews on Amazon on the day of which all of this stuff that you were talking about with the book will easily be translated into releasing a movie or releasing uh, a course or something like that. These are all things that you can incorporate. So it's a real educational experience uh, Mm -hmm. behind the scenes as well. But the book, in general, took me about 18 years to have the courage to write. And I I always tell people, like, let me just read you the synopsis. It's quick, but it's the easiest way to explain what the book is about. A bipolar gangster, a naive young film director, and Batman. What could go wrong? (laughs) Alex Ferrari is a first-time director who just got hired to direct a $20 million feature film. The only problem is the film is about Jimmy, an egomaniacal gangster who wants the film to be about his life in the mob. From the backwater towns of Louisiana to the Hollywood Hills, Alex is taken on a crazy misadventure through the world of the mafia and Hollywood. Huge movie stars, billion-dollar producers, studio heads, and of course, a few gangsters, populate this unbelievable journey down the rabbit hole of chasing your dreams. Would you sell your soul to the devil to make your dream come true? By the way, did I mention that this story is based on true events? No, seriously, it is. Wow. (laughs) So that book is, uh, it is a true story. Very true. Uh, Everything in the book is based on true events I changed the names of everybody uh, in the book, even locations, things like that, other than Hollywood. And uh, even actors that I met, I changed their names. We talk about actors. My rule for the book is if we speak about them, we can use their names. If we actually meet them or they talk to me, I I change their names. Mm-hmm. That's just a rule that I came up with. Uh, it makes it a lot more interesting when I go to meet Batman as opposed to the actor who played Batman. Right. So one of the actors who played Batman, there's five of them, I went to his – uh, state, let's call it. And, um, and was literally two days after Christmas hanging out at his house and going, Oh my God, (laughs) like, what is this? And by the way, I was 26 years old when this happened and as green as they came. You know, I was a really, you know, inexperienced, not very worldly person. And, you know, during that experience, I was involved in that experience with Jimmy for almost a year of my life. And, uh, I was—I had my life threatened weekly or biweekly, so I was a nervous wreck on a constant basis. Hmm. And uh, well, at least you knew Batman; he could protect you. Well, uh, not much, not much. <laughs> I, I, only, I met Batman towards the end of the situation, hmm. but uh, but then at the end of the day, you know, it was a crazy adventure, crazy, ridiculous, horrific experience. But not only the mob side, but then I got to be flown out to Los Angeles, and I met. Billion-dollar producers, and huge monster movie stars, and studio heads, and and uh, you know, and uh, agency heads, and big agents. And I'm at the Chateau Marmont, and I'm at the Ivy, and I'm at, at Spago's having dinner, and you know, I'm watching Jimmy make one of the biggest directors in Hollywood piss his pants, literally, in front of me, by just saying hello to him. And uh, you know, I was like, "That's a whole story in the book. You'll have to read it." But uh, it's fascinating. Can you imagine being so young, and and still have a lot of so delusions in your head that uh, that Hollywood is this magical place? And and I had I had fallen into the trap of the, I call it the lottery ticket mentality, which, in the generation that I was raised in, which was uh, came up in, was the '90s, as far as uh, filmmakers are concerned. So. Every year you would hear, you know, Robert Rodriguez's El Mariachi story or Kevin Smith or Spike Lee or Richard Linklater or sure. Steven or Soder- John Singleton. And every year there was a new story and, you know, Quentin Tarantino. And, and as a filmmaker of that generation, we all thought like, oh, is this going to be my mariachi? Is this my Is this my moment that I can blow up? And I held on to that for 20 years, but it really hurt me during that time because – I put up with so much crap from Jimmy uh, and did not stand up for myself. I didn't have any self-worth. Uh, I didn't leave the situation out of fear. Uh, all these things because I was like, just eat a little bit more crap and you'll get to your dream. Because you, you I mean, literally, I'm I'm sitting across from these huge people. So it wasn't like a pipe dream. It was like, this, this actually could happen. Mm-hmm. And that was the scarier part about it. And because of that, it was very difficult to leave and you know i went almost went bankrupt you know lost my girlfriend i was in a depression for almost 2 years um, you know after that after that whole experience it was a very very trying time it was the darkest time of my life and trust me i did not want to go back you know mm-hmm. i had not i did not want I, I literally cried during writing this book in many many chapters because i was just like who wants to go back to the darkest time in their life right live there for a year while you write this thing. It's, it was very brutal, but I tell you what, just the process of writing it allowed me so much freedom and the, a weight was lifted off of my shoulders afterwards mm-hmm. because, uh, now I could talk about it freely before I would like, if I mentioned it in a party or something like that, it would be very cagey. And I would just say a few little things and that would be it. Cause I just didn't want to go back there. But mm-hmm. now that I've, I, I've lived back there, I've been there and I've, you know, bought a condo there. <laughs> you know, I live in that area for so long with the book. I'm free now. So I can talk about it very freely. I, have no, I don't hold back on it. And uh, it, it, I just truly hope that the book is is an allegory for filmmakers on how not to chase their dreams, on how not to lose themselves, their morals in the process of chasing a dream, how to stand up for themselves how to not sell your soul to the devil to right. to make that dream come true, to chase that golden carrot. And uh, Jimmy was extremely good at dangling that carrot. I mean, you, look, one thing is talking about, you know, hanging out with a movie star, going to meet this producer. Another thing is hanging out at a, you know, multi-million dollar penthouse and hanging out with a producer who, if I mentioned their name, you would go, holy crap, you were in his room. Mm-hmm. and And going to their screening room to play the trailer that you shot for this movie about a gangster and him saying, Hey, I think, you know, Marty would really like this. Wow. And, and all that kind of stuff.
0: Now I'm curious if, if you were able to take, uh, your present day consciousness and put it in that 26 year old kid,
1: what do you think would happen? I would have never even, I would have, I would have taken the meeting and I would have walked away. Oh, (laughs) okay. Yeah. I would have never gone down that road. Uh, I, I, the, the guy who's talking to you now is a very different human being, a very different spiritual human being that mm-hmm. was the, the person that was um, around back at 26, let alone a few years ago, even. Uh, um, you know, uh, I would never, ever put myself in a situation like that anymore. Yeah. I would have never, um, I would have smelt what was coming, I would have just not gone down that road with them. And, uh, and even if I would have gone down the road a little bit, I would have left it earlier. Hmm. I would have left it earlier because I I just would have, I just would have, I would not, I've been down this road too many times already in my life. And I've been close to the, to that golden carrot so many times in my career that, um, I would just wouldn't do it now. Now I'm at the point where I'm like, I don't chase the carrot anymore. I'm waiting for the carrot to eventually come to me. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I'm not trying to say that in an egotistical way. I'm saying that I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do me. I'm going to do projects that I like that I want to put out there. I'm going to help people around me. And if something comes up great, if Marvel calls me for Avengers three or four, I'll do it,
0: Mm -hmm. you know,
1: but, uh, but I'm not going to go chase it. I'm going to, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And if somebody else likes it and wants to work with me, great. If not, I'm good. And when you have that kind of freedom in your life as a, as an artist, as a creative, um, it is extremely empowering, not giving a crap anymore. And Mm -hmm. that's where I am in my life now. And I, I've stopped relying on the good opinion of others, as they say, and, and just decided, look, you know what, I'm going to do what I do. And if you don't like it, that's Okay. Mm-hmm. You can change the channel, you can listen to another show. you can go to another website. Your opinion of what I do does not affect me. Um, yeah. I'll listen to opinions uh, if they're educated and and, and um, uh, not educated, but if they're um uh, helpful you know and they're coming from a good place, of course, I'll listen to everybody, but I'm not going to allow it to stop me. I'm not going to allow it to be a, an obstacle in what I'm doing. And all the great filmmakers, all the great artists are like that. Not that I'm a great artist, but I'm trying to be, uh, that they, that they just don't care about what other people say about their work or what they're doing. Because if you did, you'll, you, you're stagnant. You'll stay, you'll stay in a cage forever. And a lot of times that's what the goal is of these comments is like, I, I'm not getting anywhere. So I'm not going to let you get anywhere. Hmm. I'm going to knock you down. Kind of like the crab in the bucket kind of scenario. Right. And I decided not to play the game anymore and I'm just doing my own thing. And, 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 and you've been you've been listening to me for a while and you've been following my stuff for a while. And you've seen how I've I, I hope that you've seen how I've grown and you've seen how the the, the site has grown and and because of this new mentality of not caring about um, the good opinion of others, uh, caring about my audience, caring about my tribe, caring about being of service is one thing. But you know, when people have negative opinions or or, or opinions in general about what, do you know how many people looked at me crazy when I said, I'm going to shoot a movie at Sundance?
0: Oh, I can imagine. Yeah.
1: I mean, that's like, if I would have waited on what they thought, I would have never gotten it done. Mm -hmm. But by the time they're still thinking about it, I'm already done with my first cut. Right. And that's how you have to create art. You've got to just act and go and whatever happens, happens. And again, if you have $200,000 or $2 million dollars, this is not the way you do things. It's a different scenario. Mm-hmm. But at the level I'm talking about, if you can afford whatever you're spending, man, be free. This is the time to be free. Why wouldn't you be free? Mm-hmm. You know well, what I mean? Well, it sounds like uh,
0: even though it was a terrible experience shooting shooting for the mob uh, back mm-hmm. in the day, um, it, it probably made you who you are today, at least partly. Oh,
1: absolutely yeah. it made me who I am today. I would not – I would not not do it again.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I, if, if someone said, would you ever, like, if you had time to go back in time, would you just not do it? I'm like, no, I would do it again. Right. Uh, I would do it again. Not like with my consciousness. It, right, so that, right. That happens that, that differently. But if I was going to go through that again and someone gave me the choice, I would do it again. Because it was something that I needed in my evolution as a human being, as an artist, and as a, a spirit, if, if you will, and just my soul in general, mm-hmm. that um, I, needed, I needed a beating. I needed a beating. Uh, Not to it, mention and, you
0: got a book out of it, right? And well, you
1: know what? Isn't that, <laughs> what's the plan? Um, right. But I, I could see I this
0: even being a movie down the road. I'm yeah, sure you thought a, about that.
1: That. That, is, that is a plan, yes. Uh, I am uh, very, very uh, conscious of the, the idea of this turning being turned into a movie. And I, uh, my goal with the book is that hopefully it does garner enough attention that somebody would want to make the movie of it. And it's not an expensive movie. It could be done fairly inexpensively. Uh, but I always tell people like, look, I don't care if Martin effing Scorsese wants to direct this movie. I'm directing this. movie. <laughs> I don't care. He can produce it.
0: Yeah. Well, I um, love the fact that you're going to be casting a younger version of yourself.
1: Oh, listen, don't even, don't even <laughs> get started with the meta in this situation. Yeah. Because this is the, this is the deal. Um, There's two things. One, my DP, uh, Boris, in the book, who when you read the book, you guys will love Boris. Uh, Actually, I'm going to be – there's going to be some content created with Boris. Uh, Boris is uh, alive and well, and he's uh, a big-time DP now. He's an ASC DP. And uh, Boris – I told Boris like, well, Boris has to be the DP on on the movie. There's just not a question about it. Oh, that's great. So Boris has to be the DP. I have to be the director. So (laughs) both of us have to cast – ourselves Uh then i've got to direct myself and which will be like the easiest directing gig ever i think because i'll be like this is how I," because the actor is going to be talking to the director who's really the character that he's playing right and i'll be like what did you feel this way i'm like i'll tell this is exactly what i felt like when this situation happened (laughs) so it'll be an amazing experience for an actor and a director combo it'd be just it'd be insane yeah but the thing is that, and don't think it's, it, it, it's, it hasn't dawned on me that I felt that Jimmy was crazy about trying to make a movie about his life in the mob. Mm-mm. I think that was so egot maniacal, but yet I am now writing a book about my <laughs> life. mob. not want to try to make the movie of my <laughs> life, I'm trying to make a movie for the mobster. It's oh, like, man. I am very well aware of it, but I, I don't have, at the end of the day, I, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, I truly don't have any egotistical reasons to try to make the movie. It's the same reason I didn't have an egotistical reason to make this book. I, you know, writing this book, you know, exposes me in a few different ways. Um, you know, I'm not saying that I'm going to get a hit or anything like that or I, I don't think I'm in that world. Um, but, but the, the, um, the reason I wrote the book was that I wanted to help. I want the book to be of service to not only filmmakers but to anybody who reads the book and says, maybe I'm in a bad situation too. Maybe I'm in an abusive relationship. Maybe I have a boss who just beats the hell out of me you know, on a daily basis but I'm putting up with it because I want that promotion. And you go, mm-hmm. do you? Do you really want it? What's it worth? And maybe by reading this book, they'll get the courage to leave that situation and start their own thing. Right. Or, or, and that's why I want this book to come out and, I, and, and that's why I want this movie to be made eventually because I want this kind of message to get out there into the world as much as humanly possible. I really do. And it's not coming like I need my name in lights. I, I, I don't care. I truly don't care. If my name in, you know gets out there – It helps with the book. It helps with indie film hustle. It helps getting things out there. There's a reason why the site's not alexferrari.com. Right. You know, there's a reason for that. You know, I I made, I I wanted to create a brand that I associate myself very closely to, and the brand is me, and I am the brand. But I wanted to put it out there as a as a service to to filmmakers, as a service to my community, a service to people who need assistance, who need help, who need inspiration, who need guidance. And whatever small way I can do it, I don't know everything, but I've walked the path a few times, I've been around the block a couple times, and I've got a few things to say about it. And if my experience can help you and the people who I interview can help you on your path, that's the goal of, of Indie Film Hustle, that's the goal of this book, and that's why I wanted to get it out there. To uh, again to as many people as possible, not just filmmakers, not just screenwriters and artists, but to everybody out there because it it, it does ring true so yes, I know the book the, the movie would be so meta <laughs> yeah it sounds awesome and I was <laughs> so, just thinking uh, it could also
0: work very easily as a uh, HBO series or something like that you know I'll broken take down
1: I'll take it I'll take it sure yeah it's feature, film, feature film or HBO show. HBO, call me whenever you're ready. So, um, <laughs> right. I'm, uh, Netflix, fine. I'm, I'm open to bids. Uh, yeah. Look, at the end of the day, however I can get the story out there is how I'll get it out there. So my first part is the book. So the book will get out there and hopefully that will open itself up to a limited series or a movie of some sort uh, and get it out there in, in that way. And, and I'm hoping that will be the case. But the thing is that the book is not all doom and gloom. It is hilarious it is ridiculous. Uh, it, it's it's absurd, uh, but it's also scary and horrific and brutal. Uh, so it has a little bit of everything in it, and uh, there are going to be times where you're gonna. I hope someone tears up uh, because I did. Uh, you know, the perfect example. Our production offices were on a racetrack. Like oh, really? I can't I can't even make that up. Like uh, Santa Anita or Hollywood Park. Like, like uh no like an actual like uh racetrack you know in new orleans oh so yeah <laughs> like how many production offices do you know are set up in a, <laughs> in a gambling establishment i don't know <laughs> exactly so uh, you know the first the first chapter of the book i i, I lay out the the racetrack very well and like the fir- i think the first sentence i write is like you can you can uh, you can smell the cancer oozing off the walls. <laughs> <laughs> That's great, man. I mean, I'm excited
0: to read this book. Um, Thank you, man.
1: I appreciate it.
0: Yeah. You always got something up your sleeve, but is there anything else you want to talk about that, that you may have come up?
1: No, I mean, I'm pretty packed right now, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I have ideas of things I want to do in the future, but right now, you know, 2019 is going to be about – uh, growing uh, indie film hustle TV, growing the podcast, growing the brand of indie film hustle, as well as just getting that book out there. I will be doing book tours. I will be doing speaking engagements. Uh, I, I'm hoping to do a little tour of film schools with the book, and uh, and get out there. So I'm going to be around the country, and the and and my movie will be out in May theatrically, and then uh, on Espad, and and hopefully maybe even some pay TV uh, prior to that uh, as well. So. Nice. I got a lot of stuff cooking this year, but uh my main goal is to get this book out. That's the biggest thing I, I really really want to uh, to do cuz it it you know, it took me about a year to write, you know, on and off. And uh it's it, it was a hell of an experience, man. It was a hell of an experience writing this book, and I cannot wait for it to uh, to get out there. Well, Alex, this was great. This was a a fantastic
0: interview. It flew by. Uh so much information. Um, I urge everybody out there to check out both your podcast and your your Netflix for filmmakers, um, Indie Film Hustle TV. Um, but you're probably better at telling them where to find you.
1: <laughs> I've done it a couple times. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you want to get a hold of me, uh, I'm at indiefilmhustle.com. Uh, Indie Film Hustle TV is at indiefilmhustle.tv or ifhtv.com. Uh, if you're interested in the book or signing up for the launch uh, launch team for the book, which is going to be a limited number. So as soon as I hit that number, I'm going to cut it off and, and get access to the book early for free. Uh, just go to shooting and that's shooting with two O's. And, uh, you know, my social media is always uh, on all the platforms is that at Indie film hustle, except for Instagram, which is I film hustle. And, uh, that's, uh, that's basically everywhere you can get me, man. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm hard to not get to. Yeah, <laughs> oh you're my. out there. That's for sure. <laughs> I'm out there. I'm out there for sure. And my YouTube channel is, is there. I got a lot of stuff going on there as well. So there's plenty of stuff. Trust me. If you, if you have a few days or weeks or months to kind of <laughs> just put away to read all the stuff I put out or listen to all the stuff I create, uh, you, you you'll have plenty to do.
0: thanks man this was this was great
1: thank you so much thanks for my honestly tim i I really really appreciate uh you taking the time to share your audience with me and uh and uh and i'm I'm glad in in a small whatever small way uh that my work has helped you along your path as well so and i know you're doing really great work with indie film grit so thanks again man i appreciate it
0: well that's that i hope you enjoyed this episode of the indie film grit podcast Feel free to go to our website and check out the show notes, IndieFilmGrit.com. Follow us on Twitter, at IndieFilmGrit, and give us a rating on iTunes. Well, I should really wrap this up, but before I go, let me ask you something. Do you have the courage, the passion, and the perseverance to make indie films? Do you have enough Indie Film Grit?